0: Hello, America, and welcome to a new edition of John Solomon Reports, the podcast from Just the News. Today, a lot of breaking news, we're gonna get to that in a second, but I wanna tease who's coming on because this is a very special day for me. One of my favorite reporters. I love when we worked together. Last week, we had a big story we worked on. Lee Smith, the great investigative journalist is here. Yes, the author of The Plot Against the President, uh, that great book that laid out the actual dirty trick step-by-step That was Russia Collusion. Uh, He's joining us. We broke a big story together last week about a retired FBI analyst, a guy named Dan Jones, who um, walked information about the Alpha Bank connection to Donald Trump, something that's been debunked or discredited multiple times now. He walked it up to the Senate Armed Services Committee, chaired by John McCain, and gave that life on Capitol Hill, very much like Sussman gave it life inside of the FBI, and Steele gave it in life inside of the intelligence community, Christopher Steele. We're going to talk to him about all things. Where's John Durham going? Where is the newest revelations? Where do they fit in the overall timeline? I think we're going to try to create an important timeline for you so you can see exactly how the dirty trick that was Russia collusion was carried out. Some big revelations in the last month with the Sussman indictment and then the court records involving Dan Jones. And so... An absolute expert. Lee Smith here to give you the the latest lowdown. We're going to have a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to it. Now, let's get to the breaking news. All right, General Milley. Yes, the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff. He's up on Capitol Hill getting grilled about Afghanistan. And I think the big news thus far is he directly contradicted the commander-in-chief, President Joe Biden. He told Congress that he recommended that 2,500 troops remain behind in Afghanistan. Don't pull them all out, Milley said he told the president. Of course, the president has said he never got such advice that no one was recommending they keep troops in. Somebody's not telling the truth. A big mystery has formed on Capitol Hill. Keep a, an eye on that. Uh, I think there'll be lots more revelations. Milley talked a little bit about his call with China, said, insisted that people downstream from him, including in the Trump administration, knew that's different than. What, the Trump administration has been saying, "Let's uh, let's see where this plays out." But a very important day. We'll have you covered, stem to stern, on uh, General Milley. Very important moments uh, already. Big revelations. The commander, uh, the j- chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, directly challenging the veracity of President Joe Biden on whether there was a recommendation to leave troops in Afghanistan beyond the August 31st deadline. Big, big news. Now, speaking of big news, we've had a pretty big story today. I broke it this morning on Just the News. Yes, there is new investigative work, new questions about the Georgia election last November. I know we just heard about Arizona last week and got through the audit, and the fact that a lot of those allegations have now been kicked to the Attorney General of Arizona, Mark Bernovich. But last night, we confirmed on the record from the Georgia Secretary of State's office that Brad Rafsenberger, the Secretary of State, the guy who last year, or in January, said they had a perfect election in Georgia, but then admitted that Fulton County had all sorts of management problems and irregularities, counting the vote last November. He's now opened up a new investigation about something that happened in November 2020 in Georgia during the election. This one in the major Democratic county of DeKalb County. That's where 83% of residents voted for Joe Biden. It was one of the most Democratic voting counties in all of Virginia, a lot of vote. And he is now investigating whether the county kept proper chain of custody documentation for all the ballots that they collected in those mobile drop boxes. This is a new tactic was used. You put boxes out in the middle of nowhere, people drop their ballots in it. There needs to be a chain of custody when those are moved to election centers. The great news site that we do a lot of work with, the Georgia Star, reported about a couple weeks ago that 43,907 of the 61,731 absentee ballots that were delivered via Dropbox in deKalb county were missing the proper documentation this could be more than a paperwork error but they are investigating whether there's why the paperwork wasn't properly documented but here's another part of the investigation according to the state elections board rafsenberger's investigators are also looking at whether deKalb adequately protected chain of custody for the ballots whether they were protected whether someone could have fooled The vote, or the uh, tampered with the ballots. Why is this important? You're talking about 43,000 improperly documented ballots in an 83% county. That would put the vote somewhere between 30, 35,000 more for uh, Biden. If those were to be disqualified, remember the the margin of victory in Georgia is only about 12 or 14,000. There are enough votes here potentially under investigation. To, to have changed the outcome. Now, no one's going to go back and reverse the election. So just get that off your plate. It's not happening. I know a lot of people will, would love it. It's not happening. Okay. But it does uh, raise a very important question about how we all rushed to say everything was perfect in Georgia, including Brad Rafsenberger. We now know Fulton County, DeKalb County, probably the two most important democratic counties in all of Georgia had real questions that ought to concern all of us. And the question that comes forward in the future is, will in the future secretaries of states and election administrators get through these issues and resolve them before they certify an election? That's a very important question. It came up in Arizona, and now it's coming up in Georgia. All right, that's the breaking news of the day. There's also one other fun one that's a great cultural moment story. And if you get a chance, check it out. It's trending really well across uh, the social media and uh, news platforms. I call it a free speech shocker. Two-thirds of college students in a new poll believe that it's okay to try to cancel campus speakers they don't agree with, mainly conservatives, by shouting them down. Think about that. They think that's appropriate behavior. Two-thirds. That's a very important piece of cancel culture mentality sweeping across the young people in this country Take a look at that story. Very important story at the top of our site right now. All right. We're going to take that quick commercial break. When we come back, Lee Smith joining us, the great investigative reporter, expert on all things Russia collusion. You won't want to miss this interview. We'll be right back.
1: Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are.
0: all right folks welcome back from the commercial break very excited about having this next guest on one of the greatest journalists i've ever been around the author of the incredible book which later became a movie uh the plot against the president uh one of the truly great investigative journalists that washington or america has ever seen lee smith is joining
1: us lee welcome to the show thank you john and thank you for that excessively kind introduction it's very Um, kind words that is true uh, you, you know i feel the same about you and it's it's a great pleasure and honor, and uh, most importantly, a lot of fun getting to getting to work with you as we did uh, as we did with uh, that recent piece.
0: I had such a blast. It's fun. Anytime I get to work with Lee Smith, I'm in. You, I'll volunteer anytime. It's great. Um. It's such an important moment in our uh, understanding of the Russia collusion case. I mean, we've known for some time it was a political dirty trick. We know that Christopher Steele's information was uh, Russian disinformation, at least determined by the FBI and CIA to be so. Uh, Then the Sussman indictment comes down a couple of weeks, and then we break the story about Dan Jones, the FBI analyst. As you look back and as someone who really laid out the plot uh, to get Trump, uh what do these new revelations say about the pattern to carry out this dirty trick?
1: Yeah well it's something it's something that you know we've all seen for a while but I think in our conversations putting that piece together I think you hit it right on the head very succinctly they used um they used a bunch of avatars right people who were fer- um former or current officials both US officials or officials from allied governments like Christopher Steele, you know, the former MI6 guy, uh, Bruce Orr, um, Michael Sussman, former DOJ guy, and then Dan Jones, former FBI analyst, as well as former Feinstein, uh, Diane Feinstein staffer. So that, I mean, that we see a very clear pattern. We've seen it from the beginning, but the more, um, the more, st- stuff that's showing up it's clearer what they did they legitimized this operation through through current and former officials and they they sold it back they sold it back to the institutions that these people came from
0: yeah the revolving door we talk about it often from a lobbying sense right you're a former yeah. cabinet secretary you go back to your agency you can get policy changes for your clients but right. here you've got these former law enforcement officials who've got great bona fides they're going to be trusted right. by the people that take their call and they're bringing in political uh dirt on donald trump you know in most cases let's see uh, uh we know that Steele's on the payroll for uh hillary clinton we know sussman was on the right. payroll for hillary clinton and now we know dan jones mm-hmm was on the payroll, uh, at least being paid by uh, George Soros through his group Democracy Integrity Project. So three liberal funded uh, former DOJ, FBI types walk, or MI6 guys walk this in. Uh, yeah. And I wanna go through the sequence, because now that we, all these mm-hmm. things have come out episodically. But uh, July 5th, I believe, is that the first time that Steele walks in uh, his information to uh, Gata, the his handler?
1: Right. That's where he meets with uh, he he calls Michael Gata from Rome uh, to London. So they meet there. And that is that's the first time officially, according to FBI official records that Steele has shown this to an FBI person. Of course, you know, the dossier is circulating or there are aspects of it that are circulating, uh, going all around. And Andrew McCabe makes mention of it at, at one point. Right. Yeah, that's the first official time. July fifth is when Steele is when Steele calls Gada and and shows him at least that first shocking memo that claims Donald Trump is compromised by Vladimir Putin.
0: Yeah, and July fifth is important in Hillary Clinton land for another reason. It's the same day that right. James Comey puts an end to the uh, email uh, investigation, saying he's not going to prosecute uh, him. Not that that was his decision. Right. It should have been a DOJ decision, but. That same day, it's like they pivot from the email story to going on offense against Donald Trump. Now, mid to late July, John Brennan walks into President Obama. What happens in that moment?
1: Yeah, well, there's a meeting at the White House, and it's unclear, It's, it's in John Brennan's handwritten notes, so it's unclear because of his handwriting, whether it was July 26th or July 28th. It appears to be July 28th, but that's when he alerts Um, Barack Obama and others at that meeting that Hillary Clinton it's come to his attention through various means uh, that Hillary Clinton uh, is running the Hillary Clinton campaign with Hillary's approval is running a a smear campaign to vilify Donald Trump as a Russian agent to distract from her own problems with her private email server. So the point you made before I think about about July 5th how uh, they went on offense after Hillary Hillary Clinton was cleared is really important and really apt because we see that's what this was. Brennan (laughs) describes it very succinctly. That's what this campaign was. That's how I've seen it for a while. And and you too, I believe, we've talked about this, that what this was was a campaign to smear Trump, to deflect attention from whatever Hillary had on her server because they were worried, That's some of that stuff that someone might drop, some of those emails from Hillary's private server. And Brennan, Brennan, Brennan himself describes it.
0: Yep. And at that point, we also know very shortly after that, the CIA sends a similar warning, a referral to the FBI saying, hey, we believe that Hillary Clinton might be carrying out a dirty trick. So anyone who's receiving information from somebody connected to uh, Hillary Clinton's campaign or the left or who's hearing about Russia collusion by Trump is on notice, hey, there's a dirty trick going on. I think that's a fair assessment, isn't it? Yeah,
1: absolutely. Absolutely. Of course, Brennan later, uh, you know, later in front of the House Intelligence Committee this is in the spring of 2017, after this stuff starts to come out, Brennan takes credit for passing all this Russia information on to the FBI. Right. He says he was he laid the basis for that investigation. But yeah. And the notes. The, so those notes contradict Brennan's braggadocio uh, later on, which is interesting, and maybe we'll have more detail on that sometime in the future.
0: Yeah, when, when the uh, Durham, if the Durham report ever comes out. All no. right. So end of July now, you've got Steele's first entree to the FBI. It doesn't seem like we know the FBI didn't open up based on that. Uh, they took a pass, wow. at least initially. Then uh, the president of the United States, Obama, gets a warning that there's a political dirty trick to smear Donald Trump on Russia. And then the end yeah. of July, Christopher Steele comes over the pond, comes from London to the United right. States, and he meets with who?
1: Right. He sees, well, he sees a whole bunch of people. Um, I believe that he sees uh, Michael Sussman. I'm not sure if he sees Sussman then, but the, importantly, he sees um, he sees his Um, Clinton campaign handler, who is Glenn Simpson, right? He also meets with another uh, Fusion GPS colleague, Nellie Orr. They meet at a breakfast and also her husband, DOJ official Bruce Orr. So this is an example of what you've been talking about, about the Clinton campaign using these current and former officials to take stuff into the FBI and, of course, other agencies as well, because Christopher Steele will later walk into um, the State Department, speaks with Kathleen Cadillac about this operation. But at that table, you have at breakfast at the Mayfair, Mayfair Hotel, uh, or May um, Mayflower in Washington, um, you have two, two different officials. Who are going to walk things into the FBI on behalf of Nellie Orr, her husband Bruce, and Christopher Steele? So they're all running things in, running things into the FBI on behalf of Nellie Orr and the rest of Fusion GPS.
0: It's remarkable because by uh, and then the day after the meeting at the hotel, as Bruce Orr is yeah. arranging to go see Andy McCabe at the FBI on around July 31st, August 1st. Pete Struck opens up the official investigation
1: known as Crossfire Hurricane. Right. So, the second entree on a Sunday. On, on, on a, a Sunday. Sunday, bizarrely, as people have noted, yeah. no one, no one else is there on a Sunday. He's got nothing better to do.
0: Yep, it's not a day of rest for him. There's a uh, right. a, a bogus Russia investigation to open up. Yeah, right. Another. Uh, so then, then we know that Orr took, despite the conflict of interest he had with his wife working for the Clinton uh-huh. campaign. He takes Steele's information. They have a meeting at the FBI in the month of August. Right. They expand the investigation from Papadopoulos to also include Mike Flynn and uh, Paul mm-hmm. Manafort and uh, Missing One. Who's the fourth one they opened up? Oh, uh, Carter Page. Carter
1: Page. Yeah. yeah. So the, Page. the
0: foursome are now all opened up on. And in September... There's not enough public discussion of this going on yet, I guess. And so a guy named Michael yeah. Sussman, a former DOJ cybersecurity expert, he has a contact with the FBI. Tell us what we learned from the indictment two, two, uh, two weeks ago.
1: Right. Well, he went in and spoke with the FBI's general counsel, uh, a man named James Baker, who's the deputy general counsel now of Twitter. Um, so be, be be careful out there, Twitter users, on what, on what you're DMing to friends or colleagues. So he takes this information, these allegations that Trump Organization computer servers are mysteriously, suspiciously in touch with the computer servers of a Russian financial institution called Alphabank. Uh, and the the indictment, this is important, what the indictment says, it's based on, it's about lie, he's indicted for lying to the FBI. What he did was he didn't tell Michael Sussman, the former DOJ official, did not tell uh, his former colleague, James Baker, that he was working on behalf of the Clinton campaign. He went in there and let on that he was just being a decent citizen and bringing this surprising information to the attention of America's, uh, America's federal law enforcement agency. So that's the basis of the, that's the basis of the indictment. I think the indictment is, you know, we, we, have spoken about this. I mean, 27 pages, I mean, for a, for a single charge of lying to the FBI. So I think that the Durham team used the indictment to make a pretty, uh, make a pretty extensive case about what's going on. They identified, uh, not using their names, but they identified a number of different figures in what looks to be um, a, uh, a a conspiracy <laughs> and, and what will become uh, what appears to become an increasingly large conspiracy. We've, this is what we've talked about a lot. And this is what when Congressman Nunes was when he referred these different um, made these different criminal referrals to DOJ. He was. We don't know what well, they all are in detail, but he often spoke in terms of a conspiracy. So this appears to be what um, what John Durham and, and and his team have been have been investigating a criminal conspiracy. So fascinating. I mean,
0: literally yeah. just an amazing thing. So. Now we've got, we've got an MI6 guy, we've got a DOJ guy, we got a former DOJ yeah. guy, they're all walking stuff in, they all have connections to the Hillary Clinton campaign. Right. And then we discover uh, that after the election, after the FBI they got their FISA warrant, uh, and they mm-hmm. send it to uh, FISA court, and they're listening to Carter Page and the investigation's going right. on, and there have now been leaks uh, to the media, Sussman's talked to the media, Steele's talked to the media, Simpson's talked to the media, um, a guy who used to work uh, for the FBI as an analyst and then was yeah. detailed to the Senate Intelligence Committee, Dan Jones. He takes a yeah. leg of this, the Alpha Bank leg of this, and where does he go? Where did we learn last month, uh, last week, from our reporting about Dan Jones?
1: Yeah, well, he goes to the Senate Armed Services Committee. And so, one of the points that we make in the piece, of course, is that they're they're really trying to push this through executive branch agencies, the FBI, State Department cia but after the after the election they're now trying and and we we should point out also that sussman is still trying to push it in after the election right sussman met with the general counsel contacted the general counsel of a second agency which uh uh, which is almost certainly the cia um and so he met we contacted them in december presumably trying to get the the alpha bank information into John Brennan's intelligence community assessment, which came out in January, 2017, Right. right? as Obama was leaving office. So they're still working the executive branch, but now after the election, they're also trying to insert it into the legislative branch. And that's what Dan Jones's job is to take this information into the Senate armed services committee and, and, and keep pushing the alpha bank story. And a point that you made which I I think is really excellent. This entire story was the FBI investigated it. They looked into it. As the New York Times reported a week before the election in an October 31, 2016 piece it said the FBI looked into it and found nothing. We also know that the Mueller uh, investigation, the special counsel looked into it, debunked it. But Dan Jones, it appears from these court documents, it appears that Dan Jones is one of the people in America, one of the rare people in America who still believes this story, even though it's been discredited many times. And according to the court documents, he um, he came up with a 608, I think 687-page memo, or, or report rather. Yeah, 687 pages is no longer a memo, but that that, that just shows you from my the way I see this is the depths of their depravity, right? 687 pages on, 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 on nonsense on something that, something that has been discredited. I, 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 it's, it's just, it's crazy. And the fact that the U S government, the executive branch, and now the legislative branch is being polluted with this nonsense. It's shocking. In addition to the crimes and abuses that were committed In addition to the crime that John Durham appears to be outlining, just the insanity of this, that this is what's going on in Washington, that people are are messing around with, with elected officials, with policymakers that this is how they're trying to corrupt the American government. It's shocking.
0: It is remarkable. And the pattern is so sophisticated. I mean, uh, you can see now why so many people believe this for a long time, because even though the Obama administration was on notice, you've got all these players with bona fides and credentials and relationships walking this stuff. And it's sort of like a new form of political lobbying coming in the back door and and seating in Congress inside the FBI.
1: I think that's a Great way to really great way to put it Yeah, I, like uh, political lobbying. Right. I mean, we know that Steele was even before Steele started showing up at the, F, uh, you know, with, with FBI guys, he was walking into the State Department. That's right. They knew who he was because he kept showing up with stuff on Ukraine and Russia. Right. So, th- I mean, that appears to be lobbying right there. We don't know exactly on whose behalf he's inserting this information. But to talk about it in terms of political lobbying, I, I, I think that's a, a a great way to put it and a really good way for for listeners to understand what was going on
0: yeah and we now know that those earlier reports that he was sending the fbi or i'm sorry sending the state department leading up to his uh dossier work that the fbi or the cia raised warnings with the fbi saying hey we think he might be compromised he's talking to too many russian oligarchs and one of the right. early warnings at the cia and the funny thing is the CIA career people seem to have smoked this out pretty quickly, right? They Brennan's already telling the president in July, dirty trick on underway by Hillary Clinton to get rid of her email scandal. The CIA tells the FBI on multiple occasions, starting in 2016, again in 2017, hey, Carter Page, the guy you're looking at, he's one of us, he's a good I, guy. Yeah, a, right. and, and they see, uh, they raise a very significant concern about Steele's credibility that he might be compromised and the recipient of Russian disinformation. Despite sure. all those warnings, Struck, Page, the gang at the FBI right. uh, keep proceeding forward. When you look back now, uh, and this is a question I think I get a lot in, in the open, and I think it's a, an open question. Was the FBI blind because they were just excited about a big case? Oh, my God, we might have the president of the United States as a Russian spy. Was the FBI uh, biased and had blinders on because most of them liked Hillary Clinton over Donald Trump, at least according to their text messages? Uh, or is it a combination of both? Some people are just you know, excited and tripping past the warning signs and other people have a political motive. How does the FBI fall for this for not one, two, but you know, two and a half, three years?
1: i don't think they did fall for it that's my take and you know if you if you, yeah, if you look at the first page of the dossier what does it say i mean it says we have this information uh or one of our sources is a former russian spy chief right so even i i, I mean you know you you and i aren't intelligence professionals john but we're journalists and if someone if someone were to come and and, and tell us you know we're sitting down having a cup of coffee and someone walks up to us and says, Hey, so there's a Russian spy chief who's telling us something about what's going on with Russia and the United States. Wouldn't our first thought be, Well, how do we know this guy's on the level? I mean, that's what we do with sources all the time, yeah. right? You, 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 check exactly. out what, you check out the source. And so, and, and so, look, again, no matter how bad the FBI might be at different times, the very first thing they do is they would check out the sourcing on that really uh, astonishing claim that Donald Trump has been compromised. Who says so? A Russian spy chief. Guys, re- guys at least the yellow light, if not a red light, this doesn't make sense. Exactly. You check it out. That's a good right? point. But no, 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 one, no one did it. So I, what I think happened, I think, I think it's very sad. I, I think that the Clintons, a quarter of a century in Washington – a quarter of a century's worth of corruption. I think the FBI in large part was corrupted by the Clintons. I think they were used to running favors on behalf of the Clintons, cleaning up their mess left and right. I think that's what happened now. I think the campaign figured, uh, you know, we can use the FBI to do it. We can use the FBI to push this Because what we need from the FBI is we need a spy warrant. We want to know what the Trump campaign has. We want to know above all, if the Trump campaign has any of Hillary's emails, how do we do that? We got to go to the FBI. And so the FBI, as they had been for a quarter of a century before that said, okay, what do the Clintons need now? That's, that's how I see it. And it's, it's very sad. What, what has happened to that organization, which now in large part, what we've seen, uh, you know, the recent reports this week about the FBI infiltrating January 6th and maybe, um, maybe initiating some of that chaos, some of that violence. It's, it's, it's a, uh, a very sad chapter, disastrously sad chapter for an important American institution.
0: Such an important point. Now you step back from all this. Uh, I think Durham has been investigating almost as long, if not longer, than Robert Mueller took to to wrap up the whole yeah. investigation. We know he's had up, up, right. up upwards of a hundred agents and and uh, lawyers working for him. Uh, we've got two indictments, right? We got Sussman uh, mm-hmm. last week, and then of course the FBI lawyer Klein uh, Smith. Klein Smith, yeah, I'm Kevin. sorry, uh, getting indicted right, yeah. about a year ago, a little over a year ago. Uh, where does this end? Uh, if, if, when you look at things, do you see more indictments coming down the road, or are we headed to just a report?
1: I mean, I, you'd think there would be more indictments. Again, if you look at a, that twenty-seven-page indictment, there's a lot of people involved in stuff, right? You have the what they refer to as the investigative firm, meaning Fusion GPS. Right. Um, you have the you have the tech executive. You have all the people who are coming up with all this information. So. Look, in what Durham is drawing up, what he drew up in that 27-page indictment was a conspiracy. <laughs> there are lots of people who are involved. Yeah. So, I, I mean, I, I, for me, the question is, has been since, you know, because, you, I mean, you've been great on the Durham team. You talk about the different things that they, you know, that the different directions they might move in. And so my issue has never been the Durham team itself. My issue has been what happens under a Joe Biden DOJ? Yeah, what point does Merrick Garland important. say, you know, hey, we didn't like the references that you had in that indictment to certain people in the Biden administration. You're um, we're not going to fund you for next year. You're done. Wrap it up. And yep. by the way, no report. So that that's that's my concern. I think a lot of people must be worried about that as well in Washington. Uh, and that's why it's probably important for. For Republican figures to demand (laughs) go around speaking about this, say Merrick Garland's got to let Durham finish his work, just like they did with Mueller. Hey, Trump's got to let, has to let Mueller finish his work. I think Republicans certainly have to make that case. And I'm not speaking about this in partisan terms. I'm talking about this in terms of, of, of our justice system. Americans need to know, Americans left and right need to know we have a functional justice system. And insofar as we've described this as the biggest political scandal in American history, we have to get to the bottom of it. And Garland has to let Durham finish this job, this very important job.
0: Yeah, that is the most important um, uh, development we have, right? That's a, Whether we'll get completion and, and finish the investigation. What are the yeah. biggest questions that you hope get answered in the final stages of this investigation? What are the big things you really want to know?
1: John Brennan's role, I think that one of the things that I like about the indictment that I think is terrific about the indictment is, you know, as other people have said, but it's worth repeating, is that it really goes, it's, it's, it's a Clinton campaign operation. That's what it was. I mean, that's what Congressman Nunes' investigation showed. That was their first big find, right, that the Clinton campaign paid for the dossier. Right. That was in the Nunes memo. That was information they got in October 2017. So we knew that, but it's great to see that in a court document, right, in an official official government document. This goes to the Clintons. It was the Clinton campaign. I want to know what the role, because, as we said before, John Brennan appears to be saying a few different things here, right? We've got these handwritten notes now that say, yeah, it was always a dirty trick from the Clinton campaign. But then, again, in October, or rather May 2017, he's saying he's the one who sent all this information to the FBI. So I'm, I'm very keen to find out what uh, what John Brennan's role was.
0: Yeah, such an important question to, to ask and answer. Lee, your work is just amazing. Every time you write something, every time you put a book out, uh, you move mountains with your great reporting. And we're really yeah. excited. Thank, thank really, you very much, the, the details are so great. And I think you were the first person, person to take all of the the fragmentary stuff that came out you know, a year or two ago and give it a framework, a narrative of what it truly was, which was this is the greatest political dirty trick carried out to try to frame a president with something that was never, ever yeah. true. In fact, it was known not to be true right on the get go. And uh, you just deserve right. a lot of great credit for, for seeing that big picture so quickly.
1: John, that's really kind. Thank you very much. It's great to uh, always great, to, always great to talk to you whether um, whether we're working on a, on a piece or, or being on your podcast. Thank you very much for inviting me well, today.
0: Our audience had a blast us into this. I'm certain of it. And we'll have you on uh, soon. I'm sure we got more things we'll be digging up. So thanks again, Lee.
1: I look forward to it. Thank you, John. All Thank right,
0: you. folks, we're gonna take a quick commercial break. When we come back, we'll wrap things up
1: for the day. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E.com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte.
0: All right, folks, that wraps it up for the day. A big thank you to our great guest, Lee Smith, great investigative reporter, author of the book, Plot Against the President. We're... Um Really, I think I even learned a lot of new things just listening to Lee. So smart about this case. He sees the big picture. And, of course, he had some interesting questions for uh, John Durham to investigate. Should he bring more charges or not? Uh, A great all-around investigation. We're very excited for that. And um, tomorrow we'll have another great guest. So tune back in. Until then, you know, I always want folks to know that as we expand just the news as we expand john solomon reports we have partners people that are advertisers and sponsors and people who care about our work they support our work they make what i do the investigative reporting the show my future tv show uh, all possible and they have special offers as part of our partnership for you our listeners for you our readers and one of those great companies is bambi B-A-M-B-E-E. If you run a business like I do, HR issues can be a very time consuming. They can be burdensome. They can lead to litigation if you don't do things right. And a lot of small companies don't have a full-time HR department. Well, guess what? Bambi can step into that void. Bambi can step into that void and make a difference And that's important. Why? Because just one bad wrongful termination case can cost $70,000 in compliance, legal costs. Why don't you save yourself that money? Here's how. For $99 a month, that's a special offer here for just the news fans, people who are running companies, small businesses. For $99 a month, Bambi can go from making your HR a big headache to making it something you never worry about you actually making your biggest strength it's incredible they give you a dedicated hr manager they help you craft your hr policy they maintain your compliance and you get it for just you ready for this 99 dollars a month i just told you seventy thousand dollars is the average cost for a termination suit that goes bad right well for 99 a month bambi has got your back on all things hr it is a great great company i love their product i love their advice i love their experts. I love the concept of making sure you have a full-time HR department, even when you can't afford it. You can certainly afford $99 a month if you're running a company. So go to bambi.com slash just news. That's bambe ecom slash just news right now to schedule your free HR audit. They'll get you started. It doesn't cost you any money, no commitment. They'll just give you a sense of how they can help make a difference. What a great opportunity. One more time, Bambi.com, B-A-M-B-E-E dot com slash. Just News. Go there today. If you run a company like me, you are going to get a big benefit from having that free consultation. Go do it today. You won't, you won't be disappointed. All right, folks, that wraps things up for the day. So grateful you joined. So grateful that Lee Smith could be here. What a great guest. So happy. All right, we're going to wrap it up. We'll be back tomorrow. Until then, may God bless you and may God bless this extraordinary country, the United States of America, as he always has. You've been listening to John Solomon Reports, the podcast from Just the News.